When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. It's Scott. Before we get to today's Browns training camp podcast, I wanted to remind you about Football Insider. Now, it's really a great way to get in-depth coverage of the Browns during what I think everybody expects to be a really big season. A subscription gives you texts sent right to your phone from me, Dan, Mary Kay, and Ellis with updates and breaking news about the Browns, not just in training camp, but throughout the season. The subscription also gives you access to all that exclusive content you see on Cleveland.com. A lot of it's free, but quite a bit requires a Football Insider subscription to access it. You also get our daily newsletter, which includes content that only subscribers get. So go to Cleveland.com slash Browns, click on the blue banner at the top of the page, and get signed up. All right, let's get to it. Here's today's Orange or Brown Talk podcast from Browns Training Camp. Welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Ellis Williams, coming off a 23-13 Browns preseason victory in Jacksonville. I'm joined by Dan Lobby, Scott Patsko, and Mary Kay Cabot. A lot to get to, y'all. Football is back. Uh, the Browns looked electric. The defense was flying all over the place. JOK making plays, Donovan Peoples-Jones, uh, continuing to prove he's the receiver we saw at camp. But let's just start with going around with observations and first thoughts. Uh, Dan, we'll, we'll throw it to you. You're there in Jacksonville. Uh, what was your take on this Browns team that we've been, you know, been waiting since January to see? I just liked how that, that group that on offense looked like they were ready to play. They were competent. They did what they were supposed to do. I mean, these are not the starters. Odell was not out there. Jarvis was not out there. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt weren't out there. The, the whole offensive line wasn't out there and they were going against it was a mix of Jaguars uh, starters and backups but there were a lot of starters out there for Jacksonville and they looked competent they didn't put a ton of points on the board but they looked competent and just to me Donovan Peoples-Jones and Mary Kay you put up a column about him and, and what Urban Meyer had to say about him it's just a continuation of what he's done all camp for him to be the most reliable guy on the field and and to be the guy that was making the, even though his numbers weren't great tonight to, to be the guy that was making the plays for Case Keenum out there. It just speaks to the camp he's had and I, I think the year he's setting up to have. Yeah, well, yeah from, from the standpoint of, of the guys that you wanted to make sure you saw tonight, you know, like we knew the starters weren't going to be out there. So you're looking at the rookies, you're looking at the second year guys and they all did, they all performed the way you, you would want them to. Like DPJ had some big catches and even Case Keenum, you know, ran the offense as, as vanilla as it was, it, there, there were times where it seemed like they were just running the same formation, same play over and over. Uh, but he, you know, he looked good. And, you know, Demetric Felton, uh, you got a long look at him uh, as a receiver tonight. And, uh, and of course, uh, JOK on defense, you know, all those guys, uh, 
got plenty of action. And I think it was a good night to really kind of assess what they could do. Yeah, Dimitrik and, and JOK are guys I want to get to later. Let's stay on uh, DPJ for a second here. Dan mentioned Mary Kay. You wrote about DPJ uh, after the game. And, and Mary Kay, anyone who hasn't had a chance to get to the column, we're recording this again right after the game. So do you just want to unpack what, what you had to say about DPJ and then just combine that with what you saw tonight? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so starting with, with DPJ, you know, like you guys said, he made some nice catches. The moment never looks too big from him. He's taken his game up a notch. Uh, in his second season. So uh, good for him. I think he's established himself as the, uh, as the basically now the undisputed third receiver on this football team. I think it's going to be hard for anybody else to overtake him at this point. Anthony Schwartz doesn't have a chance to do it. Uh, he's too far behind right now with the hamstring. Uh, Richard Higgins, you know, I, I just think that uh, even just a little bit of a setback for him with the ankle enabled Donovan Peoples-Jones to sort of step up ahead of him. But I actually thought, and, and we can expound more on DPJ, but after we talk about him, I think JOK stole the show tonight. That, that's my biggest takeaway from, from the night is JOK, I think he stole the show. We all talked about how he was going to be gone. He missed the first five practices of, of training camp. And I wrote a column the day he came back saying, that I know that he's not going to have a hard time catching up. I watched every single move that he made in rookie camp and every spring practice. And I watched him come up the learning curve very quickly. And just knowing how smart he is, I really just felt like he was just going to come back gangbusters. And I thought uh, that, that he, he was the number one takeaway for me tonight, the way that he went out there. He had eight tackles. He had a sack. He's the team's best blitzer. He, um, he almost blocked a punt and he just kept going and going and going and played a ton of reps and he just never let up until the end of the game. So uh, I, I just think that, that he was, I thought he was pretty lights out tonight. Yeah, and that's an effective transition to JOK because Mary Kay, you're right. He did completely steal the show. To, to put a bow on Donovan Peoples-Jones, he confirmed what we sort of all thought coming out of this, you know, first 13 days of training camp and, you know, a, a couple nice catches, but you're right. JOK from a blitzing standpoint, a cover coverage standpoint, just linebacking, playing side to side. He looked apart and looked at quickly, especially being away from practice for those first 10 days because of the COVID list. He made up his ground quickly. Dan Scott, is that what you guys saw? And then you were able to uh, see him after the game for availability. And from what I got from that too, just a, a humble, calm young man who knows he still has so much work to do despite popping to that. Yeah, it was really encouraging knowing that he got the late start and you saw him do things where his speed showed through and his quickness and like on the blitz, uh, he, you know, I think it was Carlos Hyde came up to try and block him and he just, you know, side subs him with ease. And if you're an undersized linebacker, that's how you survive out there. You avoid those blocks. You avoid the linemen. Um, there were even a couple of times where he's taken on tight ends kind of down the field who came out to block him. They shed that and he would end up you know, involved with a tackle. And I think he had three tackles for loss tonight. So yeah, he did a lot of the things that, that you kind of weren't really sure how it would translate to the NFL. And again, this is the Jaguars, but there's still a team full of NFL players and it was, it's a good start for JOK, no matter, you know, no matter the opponent. Yeah. I, I, I don't know that we learned anything about him as far as like you stick him out there at will linebacker to start week one against the chiefs. 
how he's going to play. But I think what we learned tonight is, first of all, you know, going against the Jaguars, he came in after Trevor Lawrence left. Now, there were still some starters on the field on that offensive line when he, when he got that sack. Um, but he looked better than those guys. So that's obviously a, a really good sign. That he, didn't, he didn't look like a second teamer. He looked like a guy that should be out there with the first team. But what I really like is just, if nothing else, they're going to be able to just say to Jay, okay, we're going to put you in situations where you can use your speed and blitz. Like Mary Kay said, best blitz are on the team. And so you can be more situational with him. And I think we saw that that's possible. And then look, he's going to earn more reps now, probably with the first team. We don't know the extent of Mac Wilson's injury, uh, but that could open up some opportunities. And maybe we do get to Kansas city and it's like, okay, this guy has to be the starting will linebacker. But you know, I, I'm kind of trying to balance overreacting what he did in the second, third and fourth quarters of a preseason game, but also giving him credit because he looked great out there. Yeah, I mean, he jumped off the, the page. He jumped off the screen, and that's what you want to do, uh, you know, obviously in, in your preseason debut. You, you want to stand out, and you want to make an impact, and he did that. And again, like you said, you don't want to overreact, uh, but I do think it's significant that Mac Wilson suffered a shoulder injury uh, because I think that, you know, obviously now he, he might end up being out for these practices against the Giants. Those are some pretty significant practices that they're going to have against the Giants. And there's going to be a lot of evaluation, a lot of things going on there. And it's, it's an opportunity now, perhaps, for JOK to say, hey, this is going to be my job. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to take this and I'm going to make it my own. Remember, they would have taken him in the first round. Your first round guys usually start right away. So there is a decent chance that he could still climb that ladder and, and get into that Kansas City game if not on the very first rep, after what I saw tonight, I think they're going to want to utilize that speed. I think they're going to want to utilize that blitz and get him on the field. And can, and can I add this too? I, I love to see a guy, like, like he said after the game, there were mistakes he made and things that maybe we wouldn't even see or whatever. But I love that he was making those mistakes playing fast. Mm-hmm. Like that's what you want. Play fast. and Everything else, we'll take care of it. We'll coach the stuff out of you. We'll, we'll get you where you need to go. But the fact that he was out there playing fast, not really thinking, just doing what he was supposed to do is, is also really, really encouraging. Yeah, and what I saw from him was exactly that, a player playing fast, meaning that Joe Woods didn't overload him, right? When it was his time to blitz, he blitzed. He went. He didn't think twice about it. When he was in coverage, it was man coverage in the slot on that one play when he, you know, he got beat off the line, but that makes a tackle, you know, simple – a sound decision to make because you're in man. It's, it's a one read decision, right? And then his zone drops are his own drops. He's playing weak side and he's able to just on uh, quick game, see the ball, run to the field. And, and that's what his strengths are going to be early on until they can put more on his plate. It, overall though, I think JOK really represents what this defense wants to be, right? They looked quick and instinctful today. And that, really started with JOK. He was out there the whole game too. I think that's important to note. I mean, when you get that, that amount of reps, then you can get, start getting to a flow compared to obviously a guy like Mac Wilson, who now gets hit by the injury bug again, and who knows when he's coming back. But Dan, I think you said it a little bit ago that JOK, you don't want to overreact, but he might just have landed now in a spot where due to circumstance and being the most athletic linebacker on this team, he could be out there week one having to make plays against Patrick Mahomes. 
But Mary Kay said what I was trying to say. He jumped off the page. That's kind of what I was trying to say. She summed it up much better than I did. But that was kind of the point. He he looked better than the guys that, that he was out there going against. And that's really, really encouraging. I mean, speed and athleticism, that's going to translate, right? Yeah. I mean, that kind of speed, even though, once again, you're talking about a preseason game and you're talking about the Jaguars and you're talking about backups and all that kind of stuff. But the, the skills, the traits... Are, are still going to translate. And I, I just think it was a, a good precursor. It was a good sneak preview of what they're trying to do here. He's the prototypical hybrid linebacker uh, that they want to use to power their defense. And all this time, you know, everybody accused Andrew Berry and, and these guys of like not caring about linebacker. They just didn't have the kind of linebacker that they really wanted. They found him. They found him in JOK. And if this debut was any indication of what he's going to be capable of, it looks to me like they may have nailed it. I, I don't know. I, I could be, uh, again, I could be maybe a little bit overreacting to this, but it just seems like uh, they, they have this, they, they, have, they have the guy they wanted. Yeah, and Mary Kay, you reminded listeners of Denzel Ward's first preseason game you know, four years ago and how he just looked ready from the jump. And I, then that made me think, all right, perhaps this is what Greg Newsom's going to do. You know, Greg Newsom's going to come out there and have that Denzel Ward type game and ended up being JOK. And I, again, I, I understand our caution to not overreact, but the athleticism doesn't lie. It, it jumps off the page as Mary Kay said, and I think that's going to translate because you can't take away his speed, his instincts and his intellect. That, that's not going away. Um, any so, other take? Oh, go uh, ahead, Mac, Mac Wilson looked pretty good in his debut uh, a couple years ago. Just saying. <laughs> That predates me, so I'll plead the fifth there. Um, any other takeaways overall from this defense? I mean, Scott, I know you've had your eyes on the defensive tackle uh, rotation throughout training camp. Your guy Sheldon Day out there making plays. It looked like a, a rotation in from the interior line that Joe Woods has to be uh, happy about after going through this complete rebuild with you know Larry Ogunjo Larry Ogunjobi and of course Sheldon Richardson not coming back. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't spend a lot of time watching the interior, but I did notice the blitzing tonight. I don't know if, uh, if everybody else noticed that. They, they blitzed three times in that first drive, and uh, I, I counted like five or six uh, by halftime. And I'm, you know, I mean, obviously Trevor Lawrence has something to do with that. You want to blitz the rookie quarterback and see what happens. But uh, I just felt like watching the defense in camp, I was seeing more blitzing uh, than I had, and – as I've said before, the Browns really didn't blitz much at all last year. So it's just one of those things I think we have to track through preseason. You know, is this going to be a team that really ramps that up this year? Are they going to go back to, to being the team that doesn't blitz a lot and relies on the coverage and the front four has to get pressure? Um, you know, everything seemed to work tonight, obviously, against uh, the first team uh, for the Jaguars. It's in the first half. So so that was encouraging, uh, at least from a coaching standpoint, I'm sure. But the blitzing did catch my eye and uh, – it just seemed a little more than the normal. Yeah, I, I think we, we should also uh, note the sort of Greg Newsom greedy competition that's going on. And, you know, let's let's kick around Greg Newsom's debut. I mean, the, the Browns first round pick, number 26 overall. Uh, you know, I thought he did some good things and it, it was a it was a good first outing by Greg. Uh, he did, you know, he he had a couple of ups and downs. He gave up a pass. He thought he grabbed one away and, and lost the battle on that one. But overall, I thought it was a good debut by Greg. Yeah, I, I agree. I still feel like this battle just hasn't quite taken off. I, I feel like neither guy has really grabbed it, which 
you know, that says something about like Greedy Williams has sort of stayed in it and shown that he deserves to be in this battle. And Greg Newsom is still kind of figuring things out a little bit, but I don't think either of those guys had a play where you were just like banging your head against your desk. Like, what are you doing? You know, uh, you know, how are we talking about Greg Newsom if he does intercept that pass? Right. I mean, is, is the line that fine? Like if he comes down with that ball to Marvin Jones, are we talking about his debut completely differently? Is it, is it that kind of that razor thin right now? Mm-hmm. If you, yeah, you, way- in a game, you make plays in a game and, <laughs> and people talk about you. That's how we talked about DPJ, you know, all the catches he's had. And, uh, yeah, somebody needs to do something, though, clearly, uh, in that battle. Go ahead, it feels, it feels that way, but I think one thing I, I learned about the Browns' number two corner spot is that they're just going to get thrown at a bunch, regardless of who it is. You know, Greg Newsom or Greedy Williams wins this job. You know, even the rookie quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, knew to find Greg Newsom and – throw at him when his number one receiver Marvin Jones was lined up on him and you know Kansas City's got the best person at doing that with the Tyree Kill also being able to catch back shoulders and fade balls so though we need to see some excitement and someone really just take this number two job today just from a offensive game planning standpoint when teams are preparing to defeat the Browns they're going to attack the number two corner regardless of who it is yeah and and how many starts again did Greg Newsom have in college? Wasn't it something like not, about, not a lot? It's like yeah. 17. I, I think it's some somewhere in the neighborhood of 17. So that's not a lot of starts. When we compare him once again to Denzel Ward, uh, the previous first round cornerback cor- that they drafted, uh, you know, Denzel had more experience against, uh, you know, in some cases, a higher level of competition. So I don't think we can compare him apples to apples to Denzel. Of course, Denzel was picked number four, uh, Greg 26. I think he's got a little bit more of a learning curve to go, but he's coming along. He's doing well. I think he's a step ahead of Greedy Williams right now. Um, But Greedy's hanging in there. You know, Greedy's hanging in there and he's also going to get reps. And it might be where, you know, that they have to alternate a little bit between the two here and there until they get it all figured out. Uh, But all in all, I, I thought it was a good debut by Greg. Well, and, and Mary Kay too, we've, we've seen it before where a guy kind of plays his first game and then he comes out and maybe builds a little momentum. And like we've talked about with these joint practices, maybe this will kind of be a big week for Greg now. Now that he's mm-hmm. kind of felt a game and, and all, like he said, almost made that play. You know, maybe this is kind of the week when he starts to take advantage and starts to push greedy a little bit. Yes. And he has to, like you guys said, you know, somebody really has to step up. I mean, the, uh, the opener is hurtling towards them and there's not much time left. So somebody has got to really grab that job. Yeah. Before we switch gears to the offense, I think one more young Browns player that deserves mention a shout out, uh, Richard LeCount, the rookie safety. I thought he played well, uh, with the Browns injury situation there. Of course, Grant Delpit, Ronnie Harrison, both dealing with injuries, do you guys see an opportunity for LeCount to slide into some roles here? Or was this more of just a game where a, a young guy made some plays that are encouraging, but, you know, putting him out there versus Kansas City seems far-fetched still? Somebody, somebody's, got to, somebody's got to play safety, right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that Ronnie Harrison should – start working his way back into practice pretty soon. I think Grant Delpit's going to get his way back into practice actually pretty soon. 
so I think you're going to start to see guys filter back in this week. And what right now seems like a dire situation at safety is probably going to look pretty good within the next week or so, or in the next week and a half. And therefore, I think that Richard LeCount will go back to, uh, you know, learning and figuring out this game and maybe trying to get some reps on special teams. I don't really think that, um, you know, that he's going to be slated for a lot of playing time against the Chiefs. I think you will have John Johnson and Ronnie Harrison starting. And in a perfect world, in a perfect world, if Grant can get back really soon, he still has enough time to try to make a contribution in that game. Yeah, two tackles, a sack, a quarterback hit, tackle for a loss, and two pass uh, breakups for the late-round Browns pick. So let's pivot to the offense here. And, look, obviously a lot of guys resting. You don't see the whole offensive line. Of course, no Odell, no Jarvis, no Baker Mayfield, no Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, no tight ends. I get it. But still, there are a few things I think we can take away. First and foremost, Scott, is Demetric Felton a running back, or are we kidding ourselves? Yeah, that's, that was my headline. Uh, it was uh, should we stop pretending he's a running back? Uh, you know, they clearly just had a plan to use him as a wide receiver tonight, and uh, he he seemed like he was on the field for every play of that first half, and he never once started in the backfield or motioned into the backfield. It was always in the slot or out wide. He ended up with the most targets uh, on the team in the first half. And, you know, I, I'm guessing we're going to see a game where he's getting more carries, you know, maybe in you know the second half of a, a preseason game. Maybe he's the guy in, you know, the third and final preseason game. Uh, but today it was all about, all about wide receiver. And I was kind of charting the personnel groupings. And if you want to count him as a running back, that means the Browns always had two running backs or two tight ends for every single play of that first half. Um, probably now what you're going to see in the regular season, they also threw to running backs 15 times. And I know you're not going to see that. I mean, uh, Andy Janovich is out there catching passes. Uh, Johnny Stanton's getting carries. And it was just very, very vanilla and very, let's, let's just get some guys some action and not really do anything that's going to give anything away. Uh, we'll try to move the ball, but, you know, it was, it was a lot of the same stuff over and over and just variations on the same theme and, it worked though. They won. And, you know, I think the, the thing that we have been talking about this week uh, and, and sort of reminding people of the fact that if Anthony Schwartz were out there right now, I don't think Demetri Felton would be working as much at receiver as he has been. I think it's almost by default that they, they needed another body in there and they wanted to get him some of that experience. And I think some of it has to do with the fact that, that Anthony just, hasn't been able to get those reps. And I think that's been, you know, one of the more disappointing things in camp, because when you have that kind of speed, you want to get that speed on the field as early as you can. And as often as you can. And he was coming up the learning curve really quickly with those hands. So I think, uh, I think you're seeing Demetric sort of fill in that gap uh, that they sort of lost without, without Anthony being around. We're going to need a ruling though. For you, especially when you guys start doing gotta watch the tape again. We're gonna give a ruling on what to call him because we can't have him lining up as a receiver all the time and pretending the Browns are in like 22 personnel. I mean, they had cornerbacks on him mostly <laughs> tonight. And I think that's probably I mean, that's that's good for the Browns because he was out there uh getting open, catching passes. I mean, there were a couple that he really had to fight for, but 
the fact that he wasn't up against linebackers or even safeties, uh, and he was still, you know, kind of, he was still demanding the ball out there. So that has to be pleasant, you know, surprise for, for Kevin Spansky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Demetric proved today that he has a skill set that is one of one on this Browns roster. You know, he looks a lot more like a Danny Amendola than he does any other receiver in the room with them right now, you know, he's not just because Jarvis plays the slot that, you know, they do so very differently. He's a option route guy. He's quick twitch. Uh, I don't, he's not going to threaten you vertically, but that's, you know, you've seen plenty of receivers make a name for themselves in that, you know, three to seven yard window. And that's what Demetri has a chance to do. And I, you know, I don't know if that means he carves out a role this year. It's unlikely, but it's a nice debut that solidifies the building blocks for what he can be. And I'm seeing much more of a slot receiver than running back, but that's because he didn't carry the ball today. So perhaps he gets some carries next time. And I changed my mind. Is, is anybody going to predict that he's the starting slot receiver next year? Anybody want to go out on that limb? No. We're not dropping this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, think about this though, you guys. Um, sixth round pick Donovan Peoples Jones from 2020. Sixth round pick Demetric Felton from 2021 and of course we don't know exactly how this is going to pan out but so far it looks like they got a couple of bargains in the sixth round I mean if Demetric Felton turns out to be as good as Donovan Peoples-Jones has been and is going to be uh, they could really be onto something with their late round picks and that's what you want out of a really good personnel department that is where you make your money a lot of people can pick a first rounder not a whole lot of personnel departments can nail the sixth rounders. So if they're finding guys like this in the sixth round of the draft, uh, that says a lot about this personnel department. Yeah, perhaps uh, Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski should call Bill Belichick and give him some advice on drafting receivers. It, you know, <laughs> he's not there, but no, uh, no blind spot. Just like, yeah, a little blind spot. Mary Kay makes a great point. You know, back-to-back six-round picks that look like they are already proven pass catchers and, and something to build on. Um, do we have any more clarity aside from DPJ being a solidified number three guy about this wide receiver room? The only reason I bring it up is I, that touchdown drop by Kadrell Hodge, I worry could come back to haunt him. It, it, he feels like a guy who could be getting lost in the shuffle or this is just a overreaction. And, you know, he has great scrimmages against the giants and a couple of preseason games, but that, that was a tough moment for him. I thought. Yeah, I, I think Hodge is going the wrong direction right now. He has, he's got some tough practices. Um, Donovan Peoples-Jones is playing really well. Higgins, I don't think Higgins has to be great in the preseason or in camp. They know what they have in him. He's kind of just there. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Hodge is going the wrong direction right now. And we'll get some clarity maybe in the next couple of days, not with Hodge, but – you know, they got to cut five guys on the 17th. So I, I don't know if that means like an Alexander Hollins or some of these receivers down the depth chart, maybe it might offer a little clarity, but I think we're still, uh, Hodge is still going to have an opportunity to prove that, that he belongs. And I know Mike Prefer is going to want him as a gunner or something like that, but he, you got to make that catch. You know, we, I mean, we've, we've talked about a bunch of guys that made plays. He had a chance to make a play there and he didn't do it. I thought that he was better in training. I mean, you guys probably agree. He was better in training camp last year. I mean, he was, you know, every time he looked out, he was just so solid all the time. And there was, uh, you know, there, there was a period of time where he overtook Rashard Higgins and they thought he was better than Rashard. Remember that? I mean, like, it was like, 
Kaderil Hodge was, you know, Chad O'Shea loved him. A lot of these guys, uh, Alex Van Pelt talked him up a lot. And he really kind of has fallen off the map. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Donovan Peoples-Jones has just overshadowed the room. And that's in part because Odell Beckham Jr. is not out there practicing in team yet. Jarvis Landry is very limited in team. So it's given rise to the Donovan Peoples-Jones and the Jamarcus Bradleys and the Alexander Hollins and those kind of guys. But still, it was this was an opportunity for, for Kadero Hodge to really seize the moment. And he's going to really need to do that in the next week. Yeah. All right. Hey, anything else or should we focus on getting you guys back from Jacksonville? Can I, can I give one more shout out to um, that second string defensive line for the most part? They put a lot of pressure on Trevor Lawrence today. Uh, so we're talking Joe Jackson. Uh, you know, we talked about the JOK sack. It was Joe Jackson that really kind of set that up when he kind of grabbed Gardner Minshew and then uh, JOK rushed in and finished it off. Port Augustine got a sack. Uh, Sheldon so Day. Sheldon Day. Don't sleep on Sheldon Day. Uh, the first play. So, look, Trevor Lawrence did some of it to himself. He was holding the football tonight. But credit to those guys because you're going to have to have some depth there. We don't know when Tack McKinley is going to be back. We don't know how many games Jadavian Clowney is going to play. You, you, want, you need to have some depth on there. So it was good to see those guys with that opportunity, you know, create some pressure. Yeah, overall, a, a solid performance from the D-line, and I'm sure Coach Chris Kiffin is excited about that just because, like you said, Dan, you, you have some questions about depth, but when you come out and see that type of effort and performance, it, it might make practice a little easier come, what, Tuesday? Are they back, back at again Tuesday? Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that means we'll have a pod for you guys following that practice. Uh, Taking Monday off then, and we're back at it again, like I said. So we're going to wrap up, get these guys back home from Jacksonville. So for myself, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Pascoe, and Dan Lobby, I'm Ellis Williams signing off. Thanks for listening, y'all.